Hello, everyone. I'm Harrison, and I'm here with Colin. Hello. And welcome to the Brainstream Podcast, which covers all things neurotechnology and a brain-controlled future. I am genuinely honored and excited to welcome our guest, Nathan Copeland, to today's episode. Nathan is an invasive brain-computer interface user and neurotechnology consultant. In 2004, he was in a car accident that left him with a C5 spinal cord injury and resulting quadriplegia. He later joined the Rehab Neural Engineering Lab at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center to test brain-computer interface devices to control a robotic arm, an exoskeleton glove to play video games, and make art. His work over the last seven years has resulted in major contributions to science. Nathan is an ambassador for the field, has traveled the world to teach others about his experiences, and even got to shake hands and fist bump with President Obama in 2016. Or rather, Obama got to shake hands with him and fist bump him, because that's pretty cool. Currently, Nathan is working as a neurotechnology consultant for BlackRock Neurotech and, on his own time, has started making and selling NFTs on OpenSea, drawn entirely with his brain-computer interface. And I just want to say, too, before we get started, that um, this is really exciting for me personally, because uh, these some of the videos that I've seen come out of uh, the lab with Nathan Copeland have been... Uh, really, really inspiring to me. I saw one of the first ones come out five years ago where he was actually able to feel through the brain-computer interface, which we'll talk about. And that was just really, really cool. So it's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Pleasure to be here. So I'd first uh, love to start out for our listeners with just talking about what types of technology you have implanted. I have two BlackRock Utah arrays in motor cortex and I'm the first human in the world to have implants in sensory cortex. So I have another two in there. That is so cool. I can't, I can't wait to talk about those, especially the ones in sensory cortex. Um, but those are microelectrode grids with 100 little electrodes, right, that go in on each one? Yeah, they're uh, 10 by 10 grids, and they're like little, little needles that just poke out poke into my brain and each one's capable of uh, recording activity from a single neuron. That's wild. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So after, after the accident, um, how did you first hear about this technology and this research and what made you want to join it? Well, after my accident, I ended up in a, a rehab hospital for a couple months and one of the first things they asked me was if I wanted to join a research registry. Um, and they just said, basically, anytime, you know, a doctor would be looking for participants in a study, they would just, you know, pipe, pop in the criteria that they were looking for. And if I matched that, they would just be given my information and they could just, you know, send me a letter or an email or um, a call and that's that's basically what happened was one day I just got a call and they asked if I wanted to uh, join a brain computer interface study and I said yeah that sounds uh, super awesome and I, I actually went in and did a, a screening and I uh, didn't meet their protocol uh, I had too much uh, wrist function um so I have extension, but not flexion. Hmm. And in their protocols, that was considered significant hand function, and that excluded me. And then it was another couple years after that, uh, 
I was involved in a, a different uh, study, and it was with uh, the same uh, team, and they asked if I wanted to join a brain-computer interface one. I said, yeah, I really wanted to do that, you know, a couple years ago, and I, I didn't qualify. And they said, oh, yeah, we changed, we changed those protocols, and you will now. So I, that's awesome. I also thought that was really cool. And it actually turned out to be lucky thing that I didn't qualify before because, uh, that part of the study did not include the sensory, uh, feedback. Uh, so I kind of, kind of lucked into it and yeah, everything worked out. No, definitely. And then, then you got to say you were the first in the world with uh, somatosensory cortex implant, be able to feel through it. That's, that's pretty cool. It's a good badge to have. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And, and there's a few videos of uh, Nathan using that initial brain computer interface from that study, I believe, um, that we'll link below. Um, super interesting stuff. That's, that was done, what, back in 2008? Is that right? Or was it a little later? No, no. Uh, these were, I joined in 2000. 16, 14, oh, okay. 14 maybe. Gotcha. And how long so, did you end up doing research with that lab? So coming up on May 4th, Star Wars Day, uh, will be the seventh anniversary of my um, uh, current implants. And uh, yeah, that's... I can't believe it's been that long. Really, <laughs> it seems like the, the blink of an eye, but then also it just seems like I've been doing this forever. Like it's just always been this way, which is yeah, kind of cool, but kind of bittersweet because I know it won't always be this way. Uh, mm. But who knows? <laughs> yeah. So actually, on on that point, I, I know that a lot of invasive implants. Uh, degrade in their signal quality over time is and seven years seems to me like a, a pretty long time for something like that to be working have you noticed any decrease in in capability and to what extent are you still able to use it yeah there's there's definitely been uh you know the expected drop in signal quality and from what i've told it's been stable for quite a while now and i i personally never had this like one day I can use it well, and then the next day it just, uh, you know, didn't work as good. It's, I mean, it's just kind of one of these things that maybe a little bit over time, uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Just maybe I don't move the arm as fast in one direction, or it's not really lag, it's just different, like... Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but but also over time, the some of the sensations that I feel have kind of changed and shifted from you know maybe their initial locations that I felt them um, for some electrodes and uh, it's it's been a journey and it's still working and I'll use it till it's broke and then hopefully. You know, by that time I'll be able to upgrade to something better and yeah. use that till it's broke. And 
rinse and repeat. <laughs> That's cool. And I, I love how you have, I, I think, I'm, I think it's on your Twitter or maybe LinkedIn, um, brain computer interface, guinea pig or, or something <laughs> like that. It's, uh, yeah, I think that's my Twitter. <laughs> It's a it's an interesting it's an interesting position to be in, um, and it's again great to talk to you on like the cutting edge of science. I think that's really cool. Before we get too much farther in, though, I want to give everyone kind of a frame of reference. So, could you tell us about what experiments you were in um, and what you were helping out the lab with? Yeah, so like I said, I'm the the first in the world to have implants in somatosensory cortex. Um, they can use intracortical microstimulation, mm-hmm. so just little uh, zaps like directly into my brain, and that will elicit a sensation that feels like it is coming from my own hand. That, uh, paired with the implants and motor cortex, allow me to do things like move a robotic arm and uh, pick up an object, and then when that object is picked up, the sensors in the robotic hand tell the computer to stimulate my brain on a, you know, a, a certain electrode or set of electrodes that we had already already determined uh, felt like a, a specific spot on my hand. So, um, you know, say like the base of my index finger and the base of my pinky finger and. Wow. So when I, the robotic can would, you know, have torque on those fingers, it would stimulate the electrodes that feel like a sensation is coming from the corresponding uh, parts of my hand. That was uh, basically the study that I signed up for uh, in the beginning, and it was supposed to be a, a one-year study to, you know, measure the you know, efficacy and like, they know it works in monkeys, but monkeys can't tell you like exactly what's going on and what and where it feels like. So it seems like they kept you around for a little longer than that year, huh? Yeah. It's one of those things that got to the end of the year and they submit all their paperwork to FDA and you know, like, you know, the electrodes are still working. We didn't melt a hole in his brain. Like He's good. (laughs) And then, you know, then I had the option to, you know, sign up for up to five years post-implant. And then it seems like we blew through that date. And now currently it's up to 10 years uh, post-implant. So hopefully I get to that mile marker. And I hope everything is still working to a point. Like as much as I want to always have like the newest and best that's that's one of those things that kind of um did draw me to to the study besides you know just really wanting to help out people that were in situations like mine like uh, i know it doesn't do the science any um like it doesn't really give it my all if i wanted to like stop early and like upgrade like i really need to see how long this will actually last because you know all of the the data they have is you know from monkeys and stuff and they say oh a monkey might 
have theirs for five years or whatever, but monkeys also bang their heads against stuff and like <laughs> poop on them and, and, and that kind of stuff. So it, it's one of those things. No one, no one really knows how long it, how long it will last. And hopefully it's a long time. Super interesting. So I'm sure a lot of people are, are really, I'm personally curious. So I'm sure a lot of other people are, are really curious as well. Um, how would you describe what that sensation sort of felt like uh, with that robotic hand, like when you gripped an object with that robotic hand? Okay, so uh, sensations are entirely electrode-dependent. Uh, mm-hmm. So depending on which one of the you know electrodes they stimulate on, it might feel like it's coming from the base of one of my fingers, usually the index the ring the you know the pinky finger my index knuckle those kind of areas and uh basically the kind of standard stimulation that was what we did for for a long time in the beginning is that like 100 hertz and so that's like the basic uh basic parameters and those will elicit sensations like uh, pressures, tingling, um, like warmth, uh, that kind of thing. And then sensations can also change based on those parameters. So if they change frequencies, I might feel like um, a tapping on one of those areas or like a, a vibration, that kind of, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, but that's, no, that's interesting. So is it, is it like a consistent sense? I'm surprised too, that you said you can feel temperature and vibration and, and touch and see so of multiple components. Um, but is it, is it like a consistent feeling um, or is it kind of pulsating? And does that actually change based on the pressure that's being exerted on the, on the robotic hand? For temperature, I, I've really only ever felt warmth, but yeah, depending on you know if if I'm using the robotic arm because we we do lots of uh, sensory experiments that uh, don't involve the ro- the robotic arm. It's just like you know, just send the pulses through the computer, and you know, I just describe where what it feels like and. Uh, those kinds of uh, tasks too. But uh, depending on how much torque is exerted on a, on a, one of the finger motors, they can ramp the, the amplitude, which is basically the, the volume control. Um, mm. uh, most of the time, not, not all electrodes respond uh, that way. I guess some kind of, my sensation feels the same intensity, uh, like no matter what amplitude they use. Like there's a couple like that, but in general, the the higher the amplitude, the uh, more intense the sensation. So yeah, so if I'm, you know, barely touching an object, I will get like a little bit of sensation, and as long as it stays at that force level the sensation will stay and until you know it's uh 
stop by the computer. There is um, some habituation, uh, like if I'm stimulated on the same electrode uh, for long periods of time or just, you know, a lot in a short amount of time, the intensity might drop off some. Uh, but for the most part, if the sensation I feel for that parameter is a, a constant, I will feel that for the duration of the simulation. And then if the parameters are like a tapping or pulsing, that kind of thing, those will also continue for the duration of the stimulation. Um, but there's a, there's a duty cycle that uh, prevents the, the stimulator from running for a, a certain amount of time. And I don't know exactly what that length of time is, but yeah. uh, it also changes depending on frequency and stuff. There's uh, sciencey, complicated <laughs> stuff that, uh, like, like you said, uh, I'm just the guinea pig. Like I said, <laughs> hey, well, with, without you, they're they're not getting a lot of research done. So everybody's got so, their. So part. I, I pick up uh, half explanations for lots of things, uh, just being in the lab so long. So I can tell you, yeah, the duty cycle limits this and that. And... <laughs> sure, really interesting. Well, to try to explain a little bit of that, um, just for anyone that that isn't that might not be familiar with with neuroscience. If you take uh, your two fingers, you take your uh, middle finger and your pointer finger and you put them up uh, on the top of your head, right where, uh, a, where, right where some headphones would fall, um, that front finger is over an area called the motor cortex, which is the last stop in the brain that goes out to control your muscles. And, so, and then right behind that, we have the somatosensory cortex, which is where you're feeling those sensations that Nathan is talking about in terms of temperature and vibration and pressure and how these kind of work. So we, we actually know from years and years of research and, and stimulation, neuroscientists know pretty well where um, the little areas are on the motor cortex and somatosensory cortex that correspond to the muscles in our body. So they know pretty well where the facial muscles are and the muscles in your hand and even your individual fingers are. And so they can use that and put the implant over that, kind of figure out where the electrodes are, do some machine learning stuff. And then over time, that's how Nathan is able to use that robotic arm by uh, listening into those areas and picking up the signals that would otherwise be going um, to, to a hand. Um, and then the, on the somatosensory side, again, same thing. There's a, there's a good map of the body um, that neuroscientists have, and they know generally um, where to stimulate to, to cause certain sensations. Um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of calibration that needs to be done and a lot of learning. Um, Nathan would be able to speak to that better than I can, but that's just kind of a general overview of how this stuff is able to work. So actually on that point, um, how long did it take you to kind of get used to, to using this stuff? And what was it like when it first started working? Because I imagine that's just a crazy experience to think and be like, whoa, it's actually doing what I want it to. Yeah, that, that's one of those things that I was actually very surprised at how intuitive it really was because, you know, I had my surgery and then I went home for a week to recover and then like 
probably exactly a week or close uh, to that. After surgery, I went in to the lab and, you know, basically to, to train a decoder, I watch a computer screen that has a, a virtual arm that is moving to targets. Hmm. And, you know, the first time we use it, it's just basic up down left right and uh, maybe in and out and right, forward back yeah so i just i watched the computer version of it and i think along when it's moving to the right i think just moving my arm to the right and for all those directions and then the computer you know is looking at the my neural activity and it figures out when i'm you know moving this direction or the other direction, this part of um, these electrodes are active. And uh, so it just figures that all out. And uh, I could do that the first day. I could I could move it really wow. in, in wow. those directions. And it it just worked. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I knew it would work. Because, you know, it's, I'm not the first person that's ever done that. Uh, you know, monkeys have been doing it for a long time. There's been, you know, some humans before me that did these motor things. But it, it really was just that simple. Uh, just thinking about moving my own arm and uh, the robotic arm moved and... Um, the sensory side of things took a bit longer uh, than that. Um, I think when I asked, they said it was uh, around three weeks before I felt the first sensation. And that's uh, that's mostly because for safety, they had to stimulate on um, every electrode, but they had to start at a really low amplitude sure. because, you know, they had no clue what um, kind of intensity or um, qualities the sensations would have. So, yeah, I bet. you know, the, the, that's one of those things that luckily there's, I'd never had anything that I would consider painful. Um, uh, but that that's one of those things that they just didn't know. So they start low and it was just, you know, it seemed like, a really tedious well it was tedious for me but it was one of those things i kept saying like can you just like turn it up all the way and then i'll just <laughs> but you know i understand science needs to yeah take gotta find some that baby steps and immediate threshold yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so so i guess it was about three weeks and then uh i was sitting there and they were going through the the task and i i was like maybe i just felt something uh i kind of had to do like a a double take because it, it could have easily just been you know a random uh tingle that kind of felt like it was on my hand or something but you know when they did it again i was like yeah that's definitely what we've been waiting for and uh it was just pretty awesome to just have that moment of 
realization that you know it really did work uh that way even though like i said i i had faith in the the science and what that what they told me would work would work and right but it's just that moment of oh yeah that's that's how it is and <laughs> it's one of those things where the sensations aren't uh 100% like natural like sure. there's not a a one to one analog to something for you know every tingle that i felt it's just it's a tingle and that's the best i can explain it there are some things like pressure obviously i can be like okay it feels like what being squeezed or pushed or whatever Mm -hmm. uh felt like when i had intact sensation but but for a lot of the other things it's just it's not unnatural enough to be um like weird or anything but sometimes i just i can't explain it uh in a a, you know like one-to-one this feels exactly like this happening sure um when you have intact sensation but as far as getting used to it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, it was awesome the first time. And uh, it's so awesome to think about now. But I, I've i been simulated probably like, I don't know, a million times. I don't know. I, <laughs> like, it's just, it's second nature at this point for me. And sure. as far as using it with the actual robotic arm uh we found that the first time i did tasks where i was supposed to pick up an an object on one side of the table and put it on a box on the other side the very first time that i did those tasks with stimulation i was uh i had a increase in performance uh yeah so i saw um when I saw a video, I, I don't know how early the, uh, how early on this was after you got the the device, but I saw that you were blindfolded and there was a one of the researchers was touching your fingers, right? And I don't remember the exact accuracy, but it was really really impressive. How long into getting the implant was that? See, that's one of those things that it's so long ago. I don't. Yeah, know. sure. Hard I to remember. Know. Yeah, I don't know, but. Yeah, that video was actually the very first time I ever uh, did that task. And, wow, cool. Um, yeah, they just came in with the camera crew and were like, hey, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay. And then that, yeah, and then it was, you know, it, extremely accurate. And because first I did a lot of motor only tasks. And right. by the time, we had done that finger detection task. I had done a lot of sensory only tasks, uh, you know, cause that's how they figured out what electrode they should stimulate on when they pushed each finger right. and all that. And then the first combination of those two things was the finger detection. And then, then there was the air at task where I picked the object up on one side of the table and set it down on a box on the other and I did that uh, task uh, no sensory feedback for a while until I was you know um, extremely familiar with it and then 
we switched to uh, using the sensory feedback and immediately we saw that there was a increase in my performance. Usually uh, what they consider a, a normal able body res- uh, time is under five seconds to move an object. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is a task that's designed to think assess like the people that have had like strokes or some sort of um, motor issues. Uh, so when we, when I started receiving sensory feedback during that task, 20% faster There's something there's, there's a, there's a video with the, with that, that has the exact figures, but basically the, the translation time that it took for me to move the arm to the object and the, t- uh, time it took me once I, uh, picked up the object to move it over to the table, uh, was the same, uh, during stimulation and no stimulation. But when I didn't receive stimulation, I would spend a lot more time um, before I actually picked up the object and moved to the hmm. to the like return phase. Because um, with only having visual feedback, it's one of those things where I could tell that you know there was contact, but I don't know if it was you know squeezing well. And sometimes I would pick up the object or go to pick up the object and it would fall out. And so I would spend more time in that kind of grasping uh, phase where I would just make sure that it was in the hand good. So just, just spend extra time making sure I'm squeezing and you know, that it's not going to just fall out as soon as I, I lift it up. But when I received sensory feedback, I kind of got that instant um, confirmation that yes, there was contact made and the kind of um, reassurance that that contact is, you know, at a a certain intensity Mm -hmm. um, that I can just pick up the object and move with it. And it kind of just, uh, I don't know, I think gave me more confidence to just, uh, I think it just gave me more confidence to just go for it, just yeah. grab it and go for it. And that was really cool. So, so that's something that I didn't really need to learn how to incorporate the two. Um, because I was, you know, familiar with doing the task and I was familiar with the sensations and where they felt like on my hand and uh, it didn't it it doesn't really matter to me that they're not exactly um 100% natural just because i understand what what it means i guess yeah um i mean you're the first person to do this so the fact that you can even differentiate between it and it's like you said, it's not so unnatural that it's unusable. Um, like that's 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 really amazing. It's a huge stride in science. It's incredible. Yeah, it's so cool. And I imagine too. Like I I kind of get what you're saying because I imagine if you know, like the robotic arm that that you're controlling, it's not. It, it's like right next to you, or it's across the room a little bit. And I feel like it. It seems to me anyway that that would be kind of hard to try to control something that's like that 
far external to you. And so maybe you start getting that feedback and does it sort of feel a little bit closer to you in that sense? And it's easier to kind of navigate and do tasks. So the arms uh, always been mounted next to me, maybe like uh, a couple feet in front of me and a little bit off to the, to the right. And it's, it's never, it's never been weird controlling it at that kind of um, angle because I, I can see all the workspace and you know and all the the objects within it. So 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 it's never been that awkward for me. Um, but there are, like I said, the situations where like I can know that I'm making contact with something, but maybe you know visually it's just not enough feedback to to just really go for it there's a sure there's a video of some lady who i think they numbed her fingers and she's trying to strike a match and then (laughs) yeah 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 she just she just can't do it when she doesn't have any um sensory feedback and it's just it's one of those things that you know you would you would think that, you know, you could do something just, you know, something you've done before and then, you know, you can see that you're doing it, but um, just having that extra bit of feedback uh, can make a big difference. Yeah, that's fascinating. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So I know you've done a lot of different experiments within that. I've seen you like, pouring some marbles, I think, from one cup to another one um, and like using a, a exosuit arm to feed yourself a burrito. I like that one. Um, and, you know, some some video games and, and stuff, too, that you've played. Um, so can you tell us, like, what are some of the coolest experiences um, and most exciting things that you've done with the interface? And aside from just the arm, um, like what else uh, what else have you been able to use it for? Well, first off, for coolest experience uh for a few years that was definitely uh meeting uh obama yeah and that that fist bump and you know <laughs> handshake and then you know i thought for a long time that would that would stay my number one experience but then i yeah got to go to japan and do some presentations uh there and uh you know going to japan was one of my lifelong dreams that I thought was not not going to ever come true. Yeah, I've I've done things like use the the glory ha um, exoskeleton uh, glove system. You know, a number of different arms and then cursor stuff that that uh, I've used to draw and play video games and it's um i actually have a a portable system at my house now that i can um use to basically just train a a really simple decoder that can be used for cursor emulation or or um keyboard emulation and i can do simple things like draw pictures of cats and uh 
restarting and I started that. drying. Yeah. <laughs> my my next project is a an eyeball. It's good. It's a BCI because <laughs> puns and all that. And of course, yeah, played simple simple games like you know Sonic the Hedgehog two. And today I just had the I think brilliant idea of making more NFTs and calling them uh, BCI boss battles and just be clips of me beating uh, bosses in games with, <laughs> with my uh, BCI. So now I need, That's to figure awesome. out how to, I need to figure out how to make a, a video clip in NFT. And yeah, like you <laughs> said before, I, I turned a drawing I made of a cat into an NFT and that, that sold and now i'm trying to trying to make it big in that space which is slowly coming along but good I need well to hey up my social media game and get get the word out there yeah i was just thinking though like literally today i was just like what else can i do and i was like oh yeah like i played a lot of sonic and <laughs> And then, oh, I think what I saw was Twitch um, doing something with uh, NFTs. I saw mm. a tweet about it, and I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do game stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know you can make little video clips. And I was yeah. like, what would be cool about that? And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just beat Sonic bosses and, <laughs> and some other bosses. I don't even know. Like, Go through all the all the retro games and I love that. I don't know. It's interesting. There's actually a guy who um, who's in a similar uh, situation who uses eye trackers instead of a brain computer interface, um, and he streams. Uh, I, I don't know if you've played RuneScape at all in the past, <laughs> but he plays a lot of RuneScape uh, with his eye tracker. Uh, to be in ninth grade again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guild in people's armor <laughs> trimming it <laughs> i love that i i do want to say too that if people are interested in finding these videos or seeing your your nfts and your tweets and stuff it's bci can do better right across yeah it's got he's got very good brand consistency i will say it's on youtube and it's on twitter and, and uh, all the all the stuff it's good um and you've got one video with like a little over two hundred thousand views right with playing what what video oh, game yeah, is that? That's uh, my Final Fantasy fourteen video. That that's one of those things that they they would always ask me what I would you know like to do with the the BCI, and I just you know would always say play games, and then I was like, oh yeah, I want to play Final Fantasy fourteen, and then it was you know five years uh, before that actually happened because. You know, they were a bit more interested in doing real science. And that's one of those things that, you know, I I enjoy the drawing and, and the games. And that's why it's really nice that, you know, I have this portable system at home. Because when I'm in the lab, you know, uh, completely understandably, uh, real tasks get, get a, a lot more... Uh, time priority, yeah, yeah, priority, <laughs> and then 
you know, I was, I was only drawing in the beginning because they were, you know, working on, you know, cursor decoder stuff. And that's just a way, a good way to, you know, let me mess around with that. And, you know, I can describe my intentions or they can just see them while I'm using it. And then that's a good way to measure, you know, if I have good control over things and cool. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, I, I totally understand that from the scientist's perspective, but I think that like the video games and, and making NFTs is really important too, from just building awareness about this technology, you know, somebody might see that and, like, like I did several years ago and be like, oh my God, this is actually possible. Like people are already controlling stuff with their mind and maybe that inspires them to get into the space or an investor sees that and is like, wow, maybe I want to, you know, donate some money or invest in, in one of these companies. And so I, I think that, I mean, I'm biased because that's what we're doing here is trying to make neurotechnology <laughs> content. <laughs> so like, I'm going to say that that's, that that's important in a noble fight, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that stuff's cool. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, which is which is something that I ask um, pretty much everyone in the in the neurotechnology field, but you obviously have a more uh, unique experience with actually having one of these devices. Um, but what would your definition of a cyborg be, and do you consider yourself a cyborg? Ooh, I am. I'm definitely a cyborg. <laughs> um, that's that's one of the things uh, early on when I decided to actually make a a youtube channel and uh i have a playlist on there called my cyborg adventure where i just kind of um i put any of the videos that i've uploaded but also videos from you know the news or um you know the you know just other interviews and presentations i've done for other organizations i just kind of Mm -hmm. keep linked there so just you know watch my my adventure so uh, cyborgs i guess uh basically having uh mechanical computerized stuff that is interfaced with your physical body uh in some way so i think connecting your brain to something uh totally counts yeah i'd say you qualify definitely yeah that's cool (laughs) one of the Um, few real cyborgs out there for sure (laughs) yeah definitely um so actually on that do you think that so right now um this technology is used for assistive and research purposes but do you think in the future that everyone is going to have is going to be a cyborg of of some sort um and what do you think those devices would do i mean that's that's hard to say um you know especially everybody uh i'm sure there's always going to be people that are like yeah that's not my cup of tea but i'm sure right now there's you know a whole other large group of people that would go yeah i would do that even if you know i don't technically need it um i'm one of the people that you know if i was you know, completely able-bodied at this point, and I was offered uh, this kind of thing. I would take it, and I would, I would do the same things that I'm doing with it now: is cool. play games and and make <laughs> art and uh, 
do things that, uh, you know, so, some people, especially in like, in research or just, you know, some people in general will just say there's, you know, not value in, in doing that. Um, or, it, you know, it's not, they don't see it as this great, like, you know, advancement or, or awesome thing. They're just, oh, video games or, oh, he drew a turkey that looks like a five-year-old drew it. Um, but, but with his I mind, like, though. Yeah, it's with, <laughs> it's with my mind. Literally, no one, no one in the world has ever done that. Yeah. And... I like the idea of using the BCI to do things that no one has ever done just because I could do them and no one has ever done it before. So I'll play games. I'll draw. Sure. Turkeys. Uh, wicked cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I, I just, I'm, I'm like, I'm just sitting here thinking about like, Man, how awesome that is that you can <laughs> interface with. I mean, and we live in such a technological world now, too, that it's like uh, you're the first of a new breed of, of, of <laughs> what's to come, you know? Um, so it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I've been surprised, too, um, by function of putting out neurotechnology content and, you know, Neuralink generating a lot of buzz because of its association with Elon Musk. A lot of people have reached out to us and been like, like, like able-bodied individuals have reached out to us and been like, Hey, how, how can I get a brain implant? I don't know what it does, but Elon Musk said it's cool. So I want it. Elon Musk is doing it. So I want it. And I've, I've been shocked. I've been like, really? Like, you know, it's not, you're not going to be, um, I don't know, flying airplanes with it quite yet, but, uh, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting when I see some of the stuff that you've done, I'm surprised at where it already is and how quickly things are advancing. And, and again, I've just been surprised at people's willingness to get a, get a brain chip or a brain implant of some sort to experience that. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting perspective. Have you experienced any like negative health effects from the device at all? Um, no, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if, if I'm not, using it or even while I am using it I don't you know I don't really notice it like I'm sitting here and uh, I have the pedestals that the cables attached to are anchored to my skull and they stick up you know a couple inches and like right now I, I don't notice them at all and there you know is a an area directly around them uh you know, where the skin edge meets the the pedestals. And that's one of those things that I have always had to uh, uh, take care of. It's, you know, it's uh, a basically open wound that, uh, you know, leads, you know, into your brain. So that's one of the areas that, you know, uh, currently you still have to have to watch. I think everyone that I know of that has been that has had implants and had to have them removed, uh, I think it's always been because of infection. Mm. Uh, 
just around the area. So they keep it clean, keep a like an antibiotic ointment on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really notice it. I've hit my head on a, a couple of things before and uh, it's not really a, any more painful than than anything else but like my headboard I've, I've hit my pedestals mm. on my headboard and it's just kind of mm. a weird sensation but it's not really painful or anything and yeah I haven't had a loss of function is one of the adverse side effects that you know is, is one of the risks that is listed in the the consent forms and stuff because you know they are jamming something in your brain and your brain might not appreciate that but you know when i already have a loss of function in the areas that they're implanting it's uh it's one of those things that i really wasn't worried about and mm. Yeah, I'm still ticking. It's still ticking. <laughs> Just keep the party going. Very cool. That's cool. I've got a, a really dumb question that I was thinking of when you were talking about going to Japan and stuff. And maybe there's a better question that underlies it. But um, so obviously when Colin and I jumped on this call, we we know that you have a brain implant. I mean, that's that's why we're talking to you, right? But I'm just curious, like, Presumably, to go to Japan, you got on a plane and you had to go through TSA, and you're interfacing <laughs> with people. You're talking with people that are not, that, you know, aren't aware. Uh, obviously, probably don't even know that people have brain implants like this. So, what what kind of reactions have you gotten from people? And you know, like, how was going through TSA? I guess. Yeah, well, that I, I didn't even think about. But so. Uh, the way my hair is cut, like it, they're kind of hidden up a bit, but you can definitely tell that they're there. And uh, most people just probably don't even say anything or they're really yeah. think about it, especially since, like you said, people don't like the majority of people don't even realize they're this is a thing that's actually going on right now. Right. But yeah, TSA, like, <laughs> no one noticed and now that i think about it i'm like that's kind of weird they weren't like hey <laughs> <Yeah>. what's that <laughs> you think they would they would detect something because they're you know the pedestals are metal and the but that's interesting um so i guess then when you are talking to someone and you mention that you have a brain implant or that you've been able to do these things someone that isn't involved in neuroscience what are the what is what's the range of reactions that you've gotten from people that's a hard question. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is because, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know what they're thinking on the inside, but lots of times there's, you know, either indifference or they're like, that's cool or, yeah. you know. Have you ever heard like some visceral, any, any visceral reactions of like, I no. can't believe you've done that and all oh that stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> no. All right, I think we should uh, start wrapping it up here. We have one more question for you. I know we talked about this last time. We talked a little bit, um, but have you have you had any dreams uh, with your brain computer interface where you've like used your brain computer interface in that dream? Yeah, that's just that's one of those things that I've had lots of weird dreams and dreams I half remember, and I, I don't really know um, for sure. Like, there's never been one that has just been like weird enough 
or or anything like that that it stuck with me but i'm i'm sure i have and it's just like i said i have weird dreams and especially you know now since i've been in a wheelchair i'll have dreams where like i'm still in a wheelchair but i'll like stand up and go like walk to the bathroom and you know like go to the bathroom and then come back and sit down and then you know just go about like oh i can't do this because i'm in a wheelchair and then now I wake up, I'm like, brains are weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is a great place to end it, honestly, is brains are weird. Cause... Brains are weird. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, again, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us. I really enjoyed this conversation um, and hope to have you on again in the future or work with you in some other capacity. Um, but if people and we'll we'll put a ton of links below in this video and wherever we put the podcasts to um, a lot of the videos that you've that you've been in your your channels, some of the research. Um, but are there any ways that that people can find you um, if they want to reach out? I mean, I'm I'm always open to, you know, anyone just ask me a question or whatever. So uh, Twitter's a good way to. Reach me. LinkedIn is where I get a lot of uh, requests. Um, yeah, my emails just BCI can do better at gmail.com. That's basically anywhere that I am. It's BCI can do better. So that's you know, Twitter, YouTube, email, LinkedIn, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll make sure to link all those in uh, in the the description and uh, in the the notes of the the podcast. But yeah, thanks yeah, so definitely. much for talking to us. This is a really really interesting subject, and hearing your experience is is fascinating, um, to say the least. It's one of those things. Yeah, it's it's been seven years, and we've been talking like an hour, and I'm like, there's still like a million stories I could tell you, like. <laughs> Like I barely explained anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, then is there is there any one thing that you think uh, we should talk about that we should that you want to share? Yeah, I guess uh, you know we talked about you know people wanting these things uh, just because and what it will look like in the future, but it, it's we're we're still at in in the very beginning. Like right. we've only taken right. like a baby step to, you know, to getting these to the point where, you know, anybody can have them, but the, they're definitely to the point where, you know, people that have some sort of, um, condition that limits, you know, mobility and, or that kind of thing, uh, I think it's good enough to really improve uh, their lives, especially if, you know, they really like to draw or play games or, you know, they just, they don't have the ability to move a computer cursor to get on the internet or, you know, and, you know, text their family or whatever. So it's, it's the very, very cutting edge and anyone that does, you know, get in, Involved with these studies or has before, uh, we we basically all understand that uh, this isn't for us. Like this, I'm not in this study, and right. you know this all this data they've collected. It, it's it's probably not 
going to really um, help me uh, specifically uh, because, you know, eventually I will have to get an X plant and, you know, hopefully I can get, you know, some new implants, but, you know, that might be years away that uh, you just don't know. And so we all just do it, um, especially, you know, I can, you know, mostly talk about my motivations and that's just uh, to push the science forward and make it so that people that come after me that have similar situations and uh, injuries like I had kind of um, bypass the the stage where they have that this initial devastating shock and depression and think they're never gonna be able to do the things that they loved doing anymore just to the point where I hope it gets to the point where it's just you know you have this injury and the doctor says okay here are these things um, that we can do for you and here's how you can uh, continue to have a, a life that you know, you can find enjoyment in and, uh, it's a really noble cause. I mean, you're laying the groundwork for the future of the industry. I mean, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, I, I think your service for the science in general is incredibly valuable for the future. And, um, well, again, thank you very much. Um, I hope that we get the opportunity to talk again in the future. Um, it'd be fun to, I mean, maybe help you with some of these. Colin can help you with the NFTs or make some videos or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's been it's been great to talk to you. Buy his NFTs. Buy his NFTs. Um, and again, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Like, subscribe, and like, share. subscribe, <laughs> share. Yeah, absolutely. You know the drill. All right. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. See you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys.